0: We go back into the archives for this one from our first year of the podcast, where we talked with Wally Kuczynski, who's the defensive coordinator at St. Thomas. He's done an excellent job there during his tenure. The big change from that time we talked to coach to now is that they moved from division three to the FCS. Their head coach Glenn Caruso was just at Lawrence first and goal clinic. I highly recommend you checking out his talk. The link to Lawrence first and goal clinic is in the show notes. Passes are still available for that one. 130 coaches spoke. You could get those replays for up to a year. You could go to lfgf2022.coachesclinic.com to hear Coach Caruso, head coach, at the University of St. Thomas. Let's go into this one where Coach talked about his NCAA leading defense, total defense, with us. We continue with our series of NCAA coaches who have been at the top of the statistical leaderboard and we've got a great one here with us today coach Wally Kuczynski of the University of St. Thomas coach it's great to have you here on the podcast
1: well thanks for having me
0: coach you guys have done an amazing job at St. Thomas you guys have been among division three's best year in and year out this year you guys were the top in college football not just division three total defense third down defense rushing defense those are just the number one spots in d3 you guys were up at the top at several statistical categories and uh, we'll get into talking about your defense a little bit later but before we go there let's learn a little bit more about you and your background and how did you get started as a coach
1: sure well i guess i have a I have three different coaches throughout my life that have kind of molded me and shaped me. Steve Rocco was my youth coach and he kind of taught me, uh, kind of taught me mental toughness. And then I played at Blaine High School in Blaine, Minnesota and this is just a giant in, uh, in coaching, uh, with Dave Nelson as my head coach and he he kinda of taught me how to be a man and uh really learned the love for, for coaching through uh my head football coach in college at Bemidji and Jeff Tesh was just a phenomenal football coach. And kinda of figured early that uh that football was not gonna be in the cards for me after after college and realized that I loved it, couldn't uh, couldn't stay away at all and wanted to to get into it. I didn't know how to get into it at all. Had a couple of Different coaches that uh talk to me about kinda of the path that you take and, and do uh do a graduate assistant and uh, really kinda of lucked into the graduate assistant deal. I went there's a a school kinda of near my hometown, Concordia in Saint Paul, Minnesota, that the head coach there had, had coached against me and I had a coach there that, that coached corners when I was at Bemidji that was the, the linebackers coach there. So I kinda of reached out to him and Went on an interview there, and they were like kind of a low key type of an interview, and asked me if I wanted the deal, and I, I didn't know. I was like, ah, let me think about it. I gotta I gotta check out my options, and I didn't. And my the coach that was with me uh, at Bemidji said, you know, these are these are kind of tough to get. So and you know, I jumped at the opportunity there. I spent two years at Concordia, and then the head we did a really good job there. Uh, had a really a, a, just a ton of talent, and I was coaching the D line, and I got a chance to get out there and and actually coach as a as a GA and and coach my own position, and I thought I knew it all at that point. I mean we had we had some big time big time talent at at Concordia, and it had like 53 sacks in that year, and the D line was just phenomenal. I thought I knew it all, and the head coach got an opportunity uh at Truman is in the northeast corner of Missouri it used to be called Northeast Missouri State and lucky enough to make a good impression on him and And went down there with him, and I was down there for five years, and really, that was kind of where I really started to grow, because that league, the MIAA, was just phenomenal, and Northwest Missouri State, and Pitt State, and Missouri Western, and Emporia, and everybody was really, really good, and the coaches were really good, and I realized I didn't know anything about coaching the D-line at all, and really grew from there. my coaching and kind of just continued to move up throughout my time there from doing everything and having every different hat that you can imagine from equipment to recruiting coordinator to academic coordinator and strength coach and and finally the defensive coordinator and then uh, my wife and i were looking we're looking at starting a family and we're looking at getting back closer to home I was always around Grandpa and Grandma growing up, and so was she. So we made this decision to to look back closer to Minneapolis-St. Paul area, which is where I'm from. And my dad actually found the opportunity at the defensive coordinator position here at St. Thomas and email me and didn't know Coach Caruso at all. Uh, our head football coach here, he's phenomenal and kind of emailed him. I was having kind of a bad day at the time. I was kind of caught up in the levels in Division One, Division Two, and Division Three, and I wanted to be a, you know, a Division One coach, NFL coach and Division 3 wasn't really, you know, what I was thinking about at that time and had an awesome conversation with our head football coach and kind of convinced me to come on the, the visit to do an interview and and just fell in love with this place. This place is just, it's unbelievable. And the, the people that you get a chance to work with, not just in the football office, but the athletic department, but not just them. And the alignment alignment that we have here is is phenomenal all the way up to the president and just fell in love with the place. And, and yeah, I've been here for going on my 11th season now. Kutz,
0: I know uh, in talking a little bit and hearing you speak about Division Three football, number one, you know, the thing you pointed out there, you wear a lot of hats. Uh, you definitely have to do a lot of things as a Division III football coach. But number two, it, it's, you know, there's, there's a lifestyle that goes along with it that's, that is very rewarding. I mean, you have players who are, are doing it for the love of the game. Yet at the same time, you have some coaches who, who are really good, really sharp. And, and obviously, you've learned along the way. You know, what would, would you say, first of all, some of those key lessons? We can all learn X's and O's, right? But some of those key lessons that made you a great teacher of the game.
1: Well, I feel like, like you say, there's all kinds of different X's and O's that we can talk about, and, and be a, being a great teacher is a part of both, part of being a great football coach in my mind, no doubt, but the type of relationships that you're able to to build with at this level, I mean, I've played at the scholarship level, I've coached at the scholarship level, and the difference in my mind coming to this level is we have phenomenal football minds here at St. Thomas, no doubt, but more importantly, they're phenomenal people, and they're in it for the right reasons in my mind, as well as I am. I mean, I love this... Level because I get a, a chance to have a little bit more of a personal uh, relationship with with our players. You know, we don't uh, have to wake them up at five a.m. and do morning running, or six a.m. and do morning lifting, or nine p.m. mandatory study table, or or training tables, or pick classes out for guys or anything like that. I mean, we get our guys do all those things, you know, but they do them on their own time. They have complete total control over that academic and athletic experience. So I I love to that part of it where i get a chance to really be a part of their life i get a chance to to know what their grades are and in their classes to be able to have a a a more personal relationship with with the guys at this level where i just i I felt like it was a little bit more of a i don't know more of a for lack of a better word more of a business from that standpoint at the scholarship level Mm -hmm. so at this level i get a chance to uh to hug these guys and cry with these guys when when they have failure, and to celebrate with them and hug them and laugh with them when they have some success. So it's a, I've had a blast. It's one of the reasons why I've been here from going on my eleventh year.
0: Definitely, and you guys have been able to transform that program. So obviously. You know, the connection you're making with the players is so important to that. And, and that really becomes part of the culture. I know Coach Caruso's great at, at building culture. Um, but obviously, for you, you have to, to take that and continue building that. I mean, as, as assistant coaches, we're, we play a, a big role in the execution of those things. So talk to us a little bit about how, you know, you build that culture in your defensive unit that has, has been able to climb to the top of Division Three football.
1: Well, the the alignment number one, first and foremost, I'll go back to that with being able to have everybody on the same page and have that alignment. It takes a village to to do what we do. I mean, you know, if we if we had a bunch of Division three players on our on our football team, we wouldn't be as good as we are. We have a bunch of you know Division one and Division two players that make a, a decision that they want a little bit more out of their academic and athletic experience, or or, or more control, I guess I would say, over their academic and athletic experience. So uh, that alignment then starts with you know our head football coach and coach Caruso as you mentioned is is really good congregator i mean he can get a lot of people on the same page in a very very short period of time i mean he is phenomenal at being able to paint a picture really better than anybody that i've ever met and that type of uh, leadership from the top then trickles down to to all of the assistants and being able to have the same message we're big in vocabulary we all talk the same language here it doesn't matter if it's offense defense special teams or if we're hanging out in a meeting or off campus somewhere i mean we we're all it's nice that we've been together for for this long. I've been with him for for ten seasons. As I said, our special teams coordinator Travis Walsh is a stud, and he's been with us for ten seasons as well. And we've had a lot of longevity with our staff that way. But the message does not get lost in translation. I think we do a really good job. You know, I think we're good with our schemes. I think we're good with the plays that we call. But I think we're excellent being able to to have the same message from the top all the way down through everybody in our program. Coach,
0: with that language, and I agree with you fully, the language is so important when you're, you're talking about you know, bringing people and having them perform within a system. You know， With that, are you guys trying to use the exact same terminology when you describe you know, an offense and what they're going to do in their game, you know, what you're looking at from them in a game plan, and vice versa, the other side of the ball kind of speaking the same language that, that you guys do using your terminology on defense?
1: Yep, that's exactly what, that's one of the, the many things that I'm talking about with the vocabulary, you know, we talk about, you know, we call blitz one way on defense and offensively when we break it down offensively, they call it the same thing there, uh, same thing with their offense, you know, formationally, we call it the same thing from a, a run standpoint, we have a numbering system, a pass standpoint, we have a, you know, a, a system with that and we call all those, those plays the same that our offense does to be able to have that type of, uh, that type of alignment. So,
0: Coach, as you, you start to uh, bring everything you do onto the field, obviously teaching the game and having some of that off-field time, that meeting time is important, what's some of the best things you guys do in the meeting rooms with your players, you know, to teach them the game, get their football IQ up?
1: Yeah, I think there's lots of different learners out there, and you got to be able to try and get everybody, you know. I think we do a really good job of teaching here at St. Thomas, and, you know, we start uh, – with some putting stuff up in our install on the board. Then we, then we go through our video install and be able to to actually watch, uh, how this is run successfully in a football game. Uh, sometimes we'll take some, uh, some practice clips or something like that that are really good uh, at, a, at a certain technique or a, a certain alignment or a certain assignment or something like that from a from a schematic standpoint. When we start install, and then uh, from there we go lock through on the field before we actually run it. We run it in the in the practice, and then we review it that night uh, before you know the next day's install. So it's a it's a way to be able to try and get visual learners and demonstrated learners to be able to get kind of all those learners to, to figure out, you know, so that we're all on the same page.
0: Coach, how would you describe your, your defensive system? What what's really the I guess the base defense or where you start your teaching?
1: Well, I guess you could you would call us a three four, but you would just call us a three four by name. Uh, that, that's the that's where it stops. I mean, just from a personnel standpoint, with three D linemen, four linebackers, and four DBs, you'd call us a three four. I, I would call it complete total mayhem. I mean, it is absolute mayhem. We bring pressure more pressure than anybody that I've ever heard of or seen ever. When I, I watch a lot of I watch a lot of football. I watch more football than than probably anybody that you've ever met. And that's what I do. That's what I love. And I haven't seen anybody bring as much pressure as we bring. I haven't done the numbers this year. Last year we were at 98 percent five guys or more. I don't think that you or any of your listeners have ever heard of that before. No. The year before that we were at 92 percent five guys or more. And. Uh, it's not, you know, just throw it at the wall and see what sticks type of thing either. I mean, they're very designed ways to uh, attack an offense. And I, and I think I hear in clinics uh, a lot, and, well, I love sitting in on offensive clinics and listening to what offensive guys talk about and how they try to attack defenses. And I love that. I've always loved that. But when I listen to defensive guys talk, and all good, uh, there's all different kinds of ways to be great, no doubt. But when I listen to them, I always defend this formation or defend this personnel grouping or defend this player or defend this place. Like We don't do that. We don't defend anybody. We attack you. We make you defend us. And it doesn't matter if it's in the run game or the pass game. We find different ways to attack people, get guys coming free at the football to be able to make plays. My job to get a guy coming free to make a play and it's their you know our players job yeah, to be able to finish that play so and that's why you see all the tackles for loss i mean there's a lot of tackles for loss uh that we i think we're at uh 148 tackles for loss we were second in the country at 11 11.2 tackles for loss a game but it doesn't stop there. I mean, the negative plays on non-circumstantial football on first and second down in non-circumstantial situations that we get, the, and I'm not talking about just the sacks and the tackles for loss. I'm talking about false start penalties, holding calls, bad quarterback center exchanges, uh, fumbled snaps, those type of things, those type of negative plays on first or second down. If you get those negative plays against us, I mean... You mentioned our, our third down deficiency. I mean, we're pretty good. When you get get an opportunity to have a long field on third down, you don't want to be in third and long against St. Thomas. You do not. So being able to get those negative plays on first and second down are huge.
0: Knocking a guy off schedule on the other side of things is, you know, it starts to become more difficult to try to get to that third and manageable because those are, you know, against anybody, those are difficult downs. But when, you know, you're facing a team that's really good at pressure like yourselves, uh, it becomes increasingly more difficult. Coach, with, with all those blisses and stunts and pressures that you do, how do you put that all together into a teachable format because at the end of the day guys play fast when they understand so how do you how do you help within the structure to help your players understand
1: yeah i mean that part of it starts in the install and you know we we practice a little bit differently from from that standpoint i mean we'll do individual we'll do inside hall we'll do pascal we'll do team we'll Get the special teams in there. We have all types of game management periods that we work on some special different things that you don't see in in football all the time. So our guys can can have those in the back of your mind. But like you say, you got to be able to have you know football becomes monotonous a little bit when you're trying to do the same thing over and over and over because you want to be able to have the the it become a. A natural reaction. You want to be able to have a guy not have to think, and it just has to be like a muscle memory thing. But at the same time, you got to try to make it fun because, it, as I said, you know, football can be uh, really monotonous at times. So throughout the install and throughout practice early in camp, where, you know, where we're a lot of other teams maybe are just working on uh, some individual techniques with their, with their steps or their feet or whatever, we're working on zone blitz review and being able to, to fit off of our different pressures that we run. I mean, it's not all zone blitzes. We've got man pressures too, but being able to see a guard go this way and know we have to go that way, or see a, a tackle go this way and know that we have to go that way, we got to be able to fit all of those things up, particularly in the run game. You know, when you look at college football right now, I mean, there's not a lot of teams that are, I mean, you, well, the national championship game, you see all kinds of middle of field safety and there's sort of split safety right. stuff too. But I feel like I watch a lot of bowl games. I love watching the bowl games. And I, when I watch the bowl games, I'm watching the offense more than I'm watching the defense. But when I do get a chance to watch those defenses, there's there's all kinds of split safety. Everybody wants to play. So uh, what's the best word for it? I don't want to use the word safe because I understand. But it's just uh, try and be keep everybody in front of you type of thing and there's very few teams that actually commit. I mean, everybody that I've ever heard of says, hey, we are got to be able to stop the run. I guess I don't necessarily agree with that. Stop the run. I mean, our philosophy is absolutely suffocate you in the run game. And it starts with numbers. you got to be able to have the, the correct amount of numbers in the box to be able to do that. And there's not a lot of people that, that feel like you know they want to go down with middle of field safety and stuff like that. And I guess that's part of the philosophy is being able to, to make them one dimensional and, and get them throwing the football, no doubt. But starting with the install and being able to to practice those different fits in the run game with the, with all of our different pressures and movement so that our guys can absolutely, as you said, play fast, because that's the big thing. And when you watch us play, the the scheme is good. It's just good. But our players play really, really, really fast. And I, I guess I don't like uh, watching defense feel their way through, like you get your key and go. It's a sprint. It's not I'm going to feel my way through my fit. It's I'm going to attack my fit as fast as I possibly can. So, yeah, I guess it starts an install on in camp and, and kind of continues throughout the whole year. And when you have a philosophy like that to be able to to be aggressive and, and listen there's there's all kinds of different things that we'll do to be able to to stay on top or to be able to to have some some situation where we want to minimize some of the risk but we want to be able to practice like we play and it's uh, we don't condition our guys at all and I know a lot of people don't and a lot of people run as fast as they possibly can in, in practice We only practice for two hours but once you cross onto those whites onto the field it's time to run and and our kids understand the the Expectation, and I think more importantly, when you're talking about being able to run to your fit or uh, see those guys play really, really fast and confident, you know, it starts with that tempo and practice, and our players. More so than our coaches, when you get a chance to be at a place for ten years and you have guys that that have a high level of accountability which in our world right now is just gross. I mean nobody wants to hold each other accountable in our world right now. It's just like well, you see with our politicians, nobody wants to admit when they're wrong. I mean everybody's gonna fail, but I think when when you have that type of culture that we have from an accountability standpoint and you start seeing your players hold each other to those high standards, I mean, those ridiculously, freakishly high standards that coaches hold their players to is not good enough. It just isn't. When you get a chance to have a group of players look each other in the eye and say, I expect you to run all the way off the field. I want to see you jog. I expect you to run. Even though there may be like a ref between those two later at cafeteria dinner or whatever our players still will hold each other to that high standard and and when you see this practice you'll you'll know why we play fast in games
0: Coach I definitely never have seen a team against us with that kind of a uh, statistic is bringing pressure like you guys do I know that you know the teams we would see that would dabble in it we we knew that if you know we could do some things to hurt pressure, We'd get them out of it. And, you know, what we found is scheme, yes, but also being able to take advantage of technique. So obviously, you guys still, you know, even though you're, you're doing all kinds of crazy things with blitzes and pressures and looking at ways you can, you know, get home, technique is still a big part of it. You know, do you guys try to keep it limited on the amount of techniques that you guys have each position learn?
1: Uh, I guess you'd have to explain more of technique. Um, I mean, the, the technique that I th- That I think that you're talking about is being able to perform your your responsibility to you know the highest the the best version of yourself that you can possibly be. Like we we're very we don't have only third year and fourth year players planned for us. I mean our scheme has got to be able to be simple enough where a talented kid can come in and learn it and play because I mean I'm trying to have a player who's all kind, who's got talent coming out of his ears not playing because he doesn't know the playbook. And that part, is, you know, it's our our responsibility to get that thing simple enough for us for him to be able to play. But we are very particular with our technique and being able to coach the development of that particular position. So yeah, I mean, there the individual time that we get a chance to spend. We are, we're real convicted in some of the specific drills that we, that we do to develop the best inside linebacker that we can have, or the best defensive lineman or the best corner that we can have. So yeah, technique is a big, big, big deal. It's not just uh, hair on fire, crazy, throw everything at the wall and, and, trying to figure out what's going to work. I mean, it's a very calculated pressure. and It's very uh, particular in, in our technique. But just from a, a schematic and and defensive philosophy, yeah, that's all great. But we're trying to develop the best football player that we can possibly do. And we spend a lot of time with tackle takeaway and being able to, to tackle the right way and being able to attack the football and get the football back because ultimately that's, that's our job. We've got to get the football back for our offense. Mm-hmm.
0: Coach, uh, talk to us a little bit about uh, your tackling and some of the things you guys are doing. Maybe that, you know, as the game obviously has has changed a little bit and player safety has become the focus. Uh, What do you guys do to continue to make sure these guys are fundamentally sound while at the same time balancing it with that that safety aspect?
1: Well, I think we spend 10 minutes every day on tackle takeaway. Stuff. We have a little circuit that we do. It doesn't matter if it's first Thursday in fall camp or the last Thursday in 2015 before a national championship game on Friday. We're we're going to do 10 minutes of, of tackle takeaway work because it's that important. Because like I said, our scheme is just good. We are excellent at tackle takeaway uh, and personnel placement here. So being able to to work on some of the those drills that you know sometimes it's different. You get one week where you're going to have a lot of a uh, lot more running where you're going to need to work some some side sprint shimmy or some sprint angle shimmy because there's a lot of space. There's some other teams that are that are a lot tougher. We, we play in an awesome league that we have just about everything in our league from spread tempo to, to triple option. So we're able to work on a lot of different tackling type of techniques. I don't think that there's specifically with us from a tackling standpoint, we're excellent tacklers. From, from a tackling standpoint, it's not like, hey, we have these 12 to 15 tackles, types of tackles that that you can do, and then you can just choose whatever one you feel like is the best fit for you. No, 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 no. There are specific types of tackles that require situational tackling opportunities, STOs we call them, situational tackling opportunities where you have to tackle a guy this particular way. I would say one of those ways to give you an example that I see that's that's poorly taught right now in, in our game is defenseless players whether it's a quarterback looking downfield with a tight end coming across the middle a wide receiver or a running back getting a pitch from from a quarterback when you see defenseless players and there's all kinds of targeting penalties that that we see and we want to take those out of the game because at the same as violent as this game is and it's meant to be a violent football game and I love violent football I still want everybody to be safe and healthy I want everyone to be able to co- play within the rules and we coach within in the rules. And I see a lot of those tackles that that get hit in the helmet or the neck area and they get a, a targeting penalty and the whole staff is up in arms and the players up in arms and it's like well, you hit him, he was defenseless and you hit him in the head or the neck area, that's a penalty, you're going to get kicked out, you need to be coached better. So we don't target, you know, a lot of people teach the strike zone tackling, mm-hmm. you know, baseball strike zone but if you remember two years ago when the Bengals were playing the Steelers and Vontez perfect hit that Antonio Brown coming across the middle, and they uh, the Steelers end up winning this game, and it was because of the targeting penalty and it gave him an extra 15 yards. They kicked a field goal at the end there. Vontaze Perfect was targeting him right in the chest, and Antonio Brown comes across the middle, and he puts his helmet down to protect himself, as he should, coming across the middle with the big linebacker coming at him, and he instead of hitting him in the chest, the guy ends up hitting him in the helmet, and it's a penalty. So we don't we don't teach that strike zone tackle for that reason. We want We teach cut tackles in that any defenseless player that you see, we're going to cut tackle. So you can, uh, I guess we'll say it like this. You can inflict your personality on somebody coming across the middle without trying to take their face off. Doing it within the rules without trying to take their face off by just cut tackling. Because nobody wants to get cut tackles coming across the middle when they're defenseless. So I would say that that would be one of the things that that we teach to be able to help us be the best football players that we can be.
0: Coach, so I got a great appreciation for that, and and really just how you're looking at tackling overall, and some of the things you talked about, how it works into your game plan. You're starting, you know, you're you're teaching your players this is how we need to to really focus our tackling this week to fit d- different types of uh, offenses, et cetera. But certainly appreciate what you're talking about there, and I think that's something. You know, this game is under such scrutiny, and where we used to celebrate those hits, you you know, you would get the NFL films uh you know hit tapes every year coming out on VHS. Right. Uh, we don't see that anymore because I think we've realized hey hey this game is always going to be tough. Like you said, there's going to be the the violent side of it, the violent hits, but it doesn't have to be anything that ruins a guy. You know, and especially when we talk right. I've had it at the D3 level, it it's really sad when you lose that kid on the field, but when you see like he's got to take part of the semester off because he can't go to class and concentrate. Right. Now it really starts to to click that, Hey, we can look at this a different way. The game's always going to be tough. We got to be great teachers of the game. And I think that's such yeah. an important part of it. So thanks for, for doing that and sharing that with our audience.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Coach, uh, let's, let's look at one more thing with your defense. You, you were tops in third down. And obviously I think you made the the point of emphasis. You guys are also doing a lot of tackle for losses that, that puts a, a defense in a bad third down situation. But for you, what's the key when you're looking at an opponent and what they try to do on third down to try to take away what they do best?
1: Well, listen to Brian Billick years and years and years and years ago. I actually got this old, old tape. Brian Billick was with the Minnesota Vikings many years ago, and he was talking about game planning. He was talking about uh, circumstantial football and non-circumstantial football. Non-circumstantial football being first and second down in the middle of the field, non-two-minute, non-five-minute, non-red zone goal line backed up, that type of thing. And then you have the circumstantial football in third and fourth down you know final downs are, are absolutely circumstantial football I mean you don't have to you can call whatever you want I mean you, you see what offensive guys when they when they watch video right away in their game plan rooms they start watching non circumstantial football they watch formation tape and they start seeing how they're going to line up in this formation how they're going to line up in this formation but specifically when it comes to uh, you have to get to this spot or it's going to be a first down or you got to punt it, that becomes circumstantial football. So we categorize in our game plan, obviously, like many of the audience does, the difference between circumstantial and non-circumstantial football. And we do get to third down, uh, break it up and find the different break points and when a team is going to run the ball, it's not a, just a blind uh, third, one to three is going to be short or you know third and seven plus or something like that's going to be passed. you got to be able to find that break point, in which case, in my mind, there's not a tendency unless it's it's over seventy percent. If it's if it's sixty five percent, it might as well be 50-50 to me. So get a chance to get a team in seventy percent and and find out that, what that tendency is, and then be able to you know do whatever whatever's going to take that particular thing away. Whether if it's a run stent, uh, deal, then you know we're not we're not shy. We'll we'll get into. Zero. We'll get in the man and and force you to throw the football in that situation or you know, if it's a pass situation, obviously those are those are a lot more fun. You get a chance to do a lot of different things and being able to you know, we're as good as we've been here for the for the last ten years defensively, we we're not the best from a personnel standpoint, a talent standpoint, we don't have the best talent in the country. We just don't. So what we need to do a really good job with, particularly on defense, is be a really good pitcher. You know, it's fastball, curveball, changeup. Being able to to change your pressures, change your coverages within those pressures, be able to take away, you know, who who do they want to throw the ball to? Who do they want to run the ball with? What type of personnel? You know, the only thing that we know for a fact, is the down and distance and the personnel grouping. That's it. That's all we know. I mean, they can come out and empty and they're 12 personnel. You just don't know. So we need to be able to have, you know, a, a good idea as to, to what they're trying to do in that particular situation in circumstantial football and then trying to be able to take that away. And if, you know, if they beat you, uh, you know, from that standpoint, and something that you're not prepared for because you haven't seen it, then, then that's how they beat you. you know, I have a quote on my uh, – Game plan board that that stays up there. It doesn't get erased ever. It's a, a Steve Belichick quote from his his book, the the methods of scouting. That says, "Be strong against your opponent's strength. Be alert for anything else they've shown. If they do beat you, force them to do it with something that they haven't shown before." So, like that's we don't try and create ghosts in our game plan room and say, "Well, they could do this or they could do that against this coverage or they could do this if, they haven 't they haven 't done that, and if they do do that they 're not as good at doing that as we are doing our defense right. so if they beat us that way we 're going to tip our hat to them good job, but most teams are not are not good enough to be able to to do something that that they 're not convicted with on a particularly on a circumstantial down and be able to get something like that so
0: that's a that's a great point coach and I, I think that's one hundred percent correct if you can you can make them beat you left handed then you know, you, you're putting your players in a position to, to be successful. And, and really that's what, you know, coaching as far as the X and O's part is, is about, is making sure that you just put those guys in a position to be successful because they're playing to their strengths.
1: Right, and we're going to fail. You know, a guy, guy gets in a good spot and he misses a misses a run fit or misses a pass fit, and it ends up a touchdown, or he end up giving up. Something. I mean, nobody's perfect, and we got to we got to know that from a coaching standpoint, and we got to know that from a player standpoint, and they got to be able to accept failure, but more importantly, learn and grow because that's what's going to define you.
0: Absolutely, coach. As as you look at all the things you guys do, and you're doing a. A great job as a coaching staff there, obviously, uh, as a program. But looking at all the things you do, all the things that go into your program, what's the one thing you would point to that gives your team, your players, the winning edge?
1: Ooh, one thing. That's a tough one. I think there's a lot of different things that that make us who we are. Man, you put putting me on the spot. One thing that we do. <laughs> its a tough one. That's- I would say that, you know, from a – Tackle takeaway standpoint is something that we excel at, no doubt. I don't know how to answer that one. There's so many different things that we do from a personnel placement standpoint, and being able to to be fast. When you know, I think that's probably one of one of the main things. Like, you know, we'll. We'll sacrifice size for, for speed. I mean, you get a chance to play this game right now and, and it's, there's certainly all the spread teams and the tempo teams, no doubt, but I feel like the, even the triple option teams, I watched the, the two service academies teams play in Navy and, and Air Force and Army, I guess the three, and, Even the triple option teams are doing a great job, better than ever, in my mind, of being able to use the horizontal and vertical field position and everywhere in between, being able to hit you deep and underneath, intermediate and over the middle and and right and left in the flat and run game and pass game. I think everybody's doing a good job, and we got to be able to cover every square inch of this. Healed now in this game. It's tough. So being able to have the right personnel in there and being able to have guys that maybe aren't prototypical uh, size uh, D linemen or prototypical size inside linebackers and being able to utilize the their speed, more importantly, have somebody that's more athletic than the guy that they're lining up against. I think that's what that's what I love about personnel placement is you get a chance to hey, this guy's maybe not as big as, as uh, we've had in the past or not as big as a prototypical uh, defensive lineman, but he's way more athletic than the guy he's lining up against and, and being able to win those one-on-one matchups, especially when you're trying to expose somebody in the run or the pass game like we do with uh, all the pressures and finding different ways to get one-on-one matchups and we can get a chance to get a one-on-one. I want to get a guy coming free. I want to get a guy coming completely free at the football. That's the best, but it's not always going to happen. you got to be able to have a lot of different one-on-one matchups, and particularly with the O-line, D-line. I mean, if offensive linemen were more athletic to be playing DB. They're just not the most athletic people on the football field. So let's try and find different ways to, to get an advantage from a personnel placement standpoint.
0: Coach, I really appreciate all the information you shared with our listeners today. And, you know, sitting on the other end of this, uh, I know I jotted down some notes, some things I learned from you, too. So thank you for taking the time and and sharing with us and helping the, the coaching community get better. What's a way our listeners can connect with you?
1: They can get on our website. Uh, My email's on there. We usually really do a a good job with with different drill tapes and tackle takeaway tapes that that we do. If if guys want to get on and, and ask us about that, you can get on and email me took a look at your website. I love what you're doing over there. This is awesome stuff. I listened to a lot of different podcasts, so definitely humbled that you chose chose me to speak to today. I really appreciate it, and hopefully get a chance to, to listen a to lot, a lot more football on your website. So thank you.
0: All right. Thanks, Wally. I appreciate it. And, uh, again, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks again for listening to the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. Check out all we're doing at coachingcoordinator.com. And follow me on Twitter, at Coach K Grabowski. Remember to go to Lawrence First and Goal to get the replays of that clinic. That's lfgf2022.coachesclinic.com. There's premium passes for both your staff and for individuals.